All right. So remember last week, chapter seven, chapter eight are kind of uh, self-contained. You're being a smart aleck. Thanks. Um, so seven, you could have watched. Yeah. See, you have these online resources and you don't even use them. What kind of pastor's kid are you? A typical one. All right. Um, Zechariah 7 and 8, thanks for the interruption, are a, kind of a summary or a recapitulation of the, uh, the prophecies and oracles of chapters 1 through 6, right? So he kind of goes back and um, this, remember, it's, it's a, how many months later? It's almost two years later that 7 and 8 happen according to the dating that he gives. So we're now on December 7th, 518. <laughs> remember? Um, chapter 1 through 6, those oracles, well, not chapter 1, but later on in chapter 1, were February 15, 2000, or excuse me, 2000, uh, 520, all right? These dates are important uh, because, if you remember, the foundation of the temple had been laid, but they hadn't built it, uh, and last week, I, I couldn't remember when, but it was, it was 535. So now it's, you know, with the oracles of chapter 1 through 6, or the visions, I should say, those, that was now 15 years after the foundation was laid and they still hadn't begun construction. Or they had halted construction, they hadn't continued it, right? Um, I mean, I'm looking at our, our builder now. Like, I know it's stone construction, but still, like, can you just resume right away? I mean, maybe. You have to bring all your materials back. Yeah, and whatever was, all the materials that were left there, you know, you probably have to replace, right? So, what a waste. Um, t- uh huh. Yeah. You have to rip it out. Because who knows what's under there, right? Oh no. <laughs> I mean, you could put up one of those uh, carports or something on it. Yeah. It'd be easy. Who knows what's under the foundation? Yeah. Duh, for a garage. Good for you. All right. So the point being, yeah, you could probably, in a lot of respects, you're just starting over again. But that was, again, 520, February. Now we're in December of, or, of 518, so almost two years later. Right? Is that more? Or it's more than two years. Yeah, it's more than two years. Almost three. Um, and they still haven't constructed, right? So time's a waste. And 17 years later. So last week we heard about the kind of judgment that God um, had brought, was bringing, will bring upon his people or on people. So that, what's a little tricky about both 7 and 8 is that he's, God is speaking by way of you know, the Lord of hosts, right, who speaks to him by way of his angel. He's speaking of things that happened in the past. He's speaking of things that are like for now, present tense, and he's speaking of things that are yet to come at the same time. So that sometimes makes interpretation a little difficult. But on the other hand, I think it makes it uh, certainly more applicable to us. Because we can look forward to then how Christ ultimately fulfills Zechariah's word here. Or the word of, well, it's really the word of the Spirit. All right. 
Um, at the top of the sheet, you've got a couple of things we want to note here. I am jealous for Zion. God wants Israel to love him only. Um, zeal or jealousy. Some of you probably will it'll say zealous and others will say jealous. It's kind of the same word, actually. Um, yeah, jealous has a negative thing, but, but actually, like, a husband can be jealous for his wife. Why not? It's his wife, right? It's been given to him by God, um, or wife or husband. Oh, did he? Yeah. All right, so you can tell me all about zealousness since I don't know anything, and you got a whole day's worth of instruction on it. Uh, you have notes? All right. Um, so, uh, where, why is it in verse 5? I don't know. Let me go back to verse 1. All right, so, uh, we sh- is there one more other thing? Oh, yes, one more thing. Verse 3, you're going to see the glory of the Lord left Jerusalem. Remember that glory cloud? The glowing cloud, yeah. That was in the tabernacle, then in the temple. And the temple at the time of the exile, right? But God, God promises this will be reversed. Spoiler alert, it's not reversed in this temple that they rebuild. Ultimately, the glory of God is not does not come to dwell in his temple. We beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And yeah, and the word of tabernacled among us. That is, usually, I think most translation doesn't say tabernacled, which is stupid, because that's what you should say, because then you connect it to the Old Testament tabernacle and to the temple. But um, you usually say dwelt among us, the word of God. He dwelt among us, right? Uh, but tabernacled. Skenos is the Greek, if you need to know such things. All right. So, yes. So that the point here is that, yes, Zechariah wants them to rebuild the temple. And he's speaking on behalf of the word. He's giving them the word that God has spoken to him. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's still not complete. And there, there's a way that when you read the Old Testament, you always sense this kind of incompletion. It's like, well, wait a minute. You're sacrificing for the sins of the people, but you have to keep doing it. Right? with the animals, for example, over and over and over. It seems kind of like, not redundant, but just mm, torturous. <laughs> Never mind all the animals. It almost seems pointless, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's like, can you ever sacrifice enough, you know, for all the sins? No. Right, so there's that sense of it. It's just not quite the perfect or complete sacrifice. Same thing with the temple. It's made with hands or the temple, it's still not quite the one that we expect to see, especially in our in the eternal dwellings. All right, so that's, that's why we're always hearing, yes, now for, for Judah as they return from Babylon, but yes, also to come in Christ and also for us in the, in the time to come, actually, not just the coming of Christ, which comes after Zechariah's prophecy, but also long in the distance right now with the return of the Lord. All right, I, I was um, uh, I was featured on a podcast that I actually edit and produce, but I'm not usually speaking on it. Uh, Christian History Almanac, you know the podcast. I told you about this. It's a daily thing. It's about five minutes, seven minutes, something like that. Um, and he goes through just a different character or a time or um, church or something in in Christian history. That's an excellent little thing that you can listen to each day. Um, but on Saturdays he does a longer form show, and so he's doing an interview series, and it was. Um, um, Meet a real-life Lutheran, actually, is what he, what he called it, I guess. Um, and he interviewed me. It was kind of selfish because he needed to have all the technology set up, 
so we spent some time setting everything up on his end and my end so that it all worked perfectly. And then he just, I just got to be the guest on the show, right? And then future he'll use other people. But um, why did I bring this up? Incompletion, temple, uh, imperfect. Imperfect, that would apply to me. Uh, but that wasn't it. I lost it. Ah, history, maybe. History? Hmm. I don't know. It'll come back to me. Anyway, go listen to the show. There you go. I guess. Why Well, he did a whole. Um, he recorded a section after the interview where he where he made lots of caveats to that, that I wasn't going to be the like necessarily like every Lutheran Church Missouri Synod pastor or my congregation isn't like everyone and. You know, and he basically said, as a historian, he's a Lutheran, but as a historian in general, oh, I know what I was going to tell you about. Thanks for helping me. Um, as a historian in general, um, Lutheran, Lutherans in America is the most convoluted um, to track and trace all the different church bodies and the splint, splinters. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, Baptists are fairly easy to kind of categorize in different, tradi- different Baptist traditions. Uh, Methodists, same way, but... Um, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Episcopalians. I mean, those are all fairly easy to kind of track down the different bodies. Um, but to keep the Lutherans straight, it's just, it's a nightmare. Because they're both ethnic, and then they're also cantankerous, so they end up splitting and dividing all the time. <laughs> I don't know if that describes you at all. All right, so no, I was going to tell you about a book he mentioned on the show. Uh, actually, this, was the sh- this is the show for tomorrow, so you haven't heard it yet. I've already heard it. Um, but somebody asked, it was a mailbag question, right? Like, uh, what church history books should I read? And he was asking for recommendations. He recommended three. The one of the books he mentioned, I thought was really interesting. It was the, the last, th- it was the, uh, Chris- the history of the Christian church in the last 3000 years. Right. So he goes back a thousand years before and he gets all the minor prophets as leading, you know, like Micah and uh, as part of Christian history including Zechariah. So, helpful? Yeah, I mean, because that's how we approach the Bible. This is our history, too. All right, uh, we should probably read it. It's pretty long, 20, 20, 23 verses. All right, go for it, nice and loud. And the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am very jealous for Zion, with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city in the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of his people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in faithfulness and in righteousness. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets, who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before those days, there was no wage for man, or any wage for beast, neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. For I set every man against his neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of his people, as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. 
For there shall be a sowing of peace, the vine shall give its fruit, and the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their dew. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purposed to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts, so again have I purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another, and love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah, seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Peoples shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. All right. So, I mean, it... God is not for, just for the Jews. Now, that's something that you would have heard if you had come to class, but you left us for a few weeks. You already knew that? No, you would have heard it from Zechariah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, exactly. So it, uh, we talk, there's all sorts of, like I said, this is kind of an encapsulation of all the promises that we've heard in chapters 1 through 6, but now recapitulated. You know that word? We usually just say it short, recap. Yeah, it's just recap is short for recapitulation which is a lot easier to say, right? No, okay. Uh, but it means to go back to the head, right? And then describe everything again. All right, so, uh, so we have uh, some promises made here. And again, it's the promises we've been hearing, like salvation for the Jews. That was one that we heard. The people returning, come, being brought back. Justice being um, performed there. And peace, for the sake of peace. And like justice for the sake of justice, which you could think about that in relate, relation to the sermon. Like, a lot of times justice is just like, I want to see them get what they deserve, right? <laughs> um, and if, if that's what's in your heart, by the way, I didn't say this in the sermon. It would have been another sermon. Uh, we talked about it through Lent on the, with the, the Psalms on Wednesday nights. Is that sort of thought comes out of your heart, give it to God, right? He said, vengeance is mine, right? So give him that job because it's his job. It's not your job, right? You want your enemy destroyed, just tell him to do it, right? And then let him figure it out. He knows what's right. Okay. Uh, let's see what else was in here. All sorts of things. We should, let's just go through it in order, actually. Now, there is a question here, and it's actually a really helpful question. Sometimes the sheet's helpful. Sometimes it's not. I think in this case it is. How many times, what are the number of times the phrase, thus says the Lord of hosts, is used? So you've got to have a print Bible, unless you were counting as we were going. It might be easy, like with this, this version, you can see they even lay it out for you, right? Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 2, and then it indents. Thus said the Lord of hosts, and then it indents. Yeah, does yours have that? Uh, no, yours don't, doesn't. How many verse long 
Well, it's 20, it's 24 verses, but no, it's not. Nice guess, Luke. Well, I'm going to let you count if you've got a Bible. Well, No, what is he? Close. 10. There's 10. Why would it be 10? Why would it be 10? 10 is another completion number. Yeah. Yeah. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Remember, we, I told you what Lord of hosts, how we translated that. Now, there, is, there, there are two other expressions in there that, that is probably throwing you off. Yeah, so there's the precise, thus says the Lord of hosts, but there's also, thus says the Lord, which is not the same. But you mean they translated it like that? Lord of hosts. Yeah, Lord of hosts. Let me count here. All right, fine. I will do the work too. One, dun, 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 two. Three, four, I did this. Five, uh, six. No, that's not thus says the Lord. That doesn't count. Thus says the Lord of hosts. That's not what that says, right? All right, we're still at five, right? Yeah, five, six, uh, uh, seven, good. Eight, nine. Maybe the other one did count. It's 10. Don't worry about it. It's not nine. But, but I think it's something like, but you're right, but the Lord or Lord of hosts in total, it's something like 25 or something, 28. Right, right. So what's the emphasis? This is always true with gospel, gospel stuff. Who's the one doing the verbs? God, the Lord of hosts, right? Remember, Lord of hosts is, we usually translate, we translate that. We used to translate it. Lord God Sabaoth, that's right, Lord of, of the Lord of the Armies, which would be much cooler and it would be better for like a men's club thing, because the, the men and boys would love the Lord of the Armies, right? Because we like warfare and that kind of stuff. All right. I was I started to watch a series on uh, Amazon. Uh, the Terminal List. It's been in it's, Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's good yet. I only watched one episode. But they they do a um amph- they're seals and they do an amph- amphibious landing on uh, in Syria, in the first episode, and it's all, and they're all men. And I was just like, where are the women? Right, because this is the new thing, right, with the military? And it's like, you're watching it, and it's like, you don't even have to be a traditionalist to say, you don't want women there in this set. You don't want to put them in this kind of context. It, it's not appropriate. Maybe there's other offices within the military where that would be appropriate, and that's usually the case, right? I'm trying to think what are the famous characters, right, that you know, the plane maintenance person or the, you know. Uh, but you don't want them landing amphibious into Syria and going through what those, it's fiction, but I think it's also kind of based on Benghazi, if you know that story. So anyway, uh, where are the women? Oh, yes, I was talking about men like in warfare. Okay, good. Pilot? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. That's why we have to have the pregnant fighter pilot costumes that they wear. Like, ser- yes. I don't think it's wise to be, to be fi- flying one of those planes pregnant. Never mind her safety, but the baby's safety. I mean, come on. What? I don't, it doesn't matter if it's legal. It doesn't anymore. No. They, it's shoot first and ask permission later. All right. Or something like that. All right. So we're off the beaten path. Sorry. I did that. I haven't seen the Top Gun yet. Skim through this chapter and list the blessings found in the following verses. All right, so I don't know if we want to skim. 
Um, I like to do things in detail. So we have seven, right? We have 10. We're going to split it into 10. The first promise is in verse two, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal and with great fervor. I am zealous for her, right? So Uh-huh. Intense and absolute commitment. Speak up clearly and distinctly. Yes. He's infatuated with his people. Yeah. So um, it is one of his names given by Ezekiel. He is the Lord your God is a this Deuteronomy, a jealous God, right? Punishing the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate him, but showing mercy and steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments, right? You learned that from the catechism, am I right? Yes. Okay, good. Um, both, both his wrath and his mercy fall under his jealousy or his zeal. The only difference is faith or no faith, right? right. He, think about how he, what he says there. I mean, the first commandment is you will... You shall have no other gods before me. Well, what is he saying? He's going to make it so that you don't have other gods. What does that mean? He destroys the false gods, and then he gives you faith, shows you mercy, peace, so that he is your God, and you trust in him. It's his work. So that's a promise. I am zealous for you. Meaning, do you have to come to him, or does he come to you? Yeah, he's zealous for you. He's going he's to do everything needed um, for her, actually, here, Zion being the church, right? Who's given the feminine. All right, so that's the first promise. That's a pretty big promise, isn't it? Fulfilled in the Prince of Peace, and the Son, right? Who is the temple, et cetera, et cetera. God with her. All right, second promise is verse three. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. What did yours say, Ethan? You read the city of something. The faithful city, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain, which is kind of funny. I haven't been to Jerusalem, but my understanding is that the Temple Mount is not really all that much bigger than a lot of the hills in the area. It's not really bigger at all. And there are many bigger mountains, actually, mountains, big hills, like Mount Hermon and some others. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that he says, you know, that it's going to be the, he's making it this like dis amazing mountain and it's not physically Jerusalem today which tells you something right is he talking about that Jerusalem or is he talking about Jerusalem the golden with milk and honey blessed right that one right yeah and then so it's that city that Zion the heavenly city the heavy have it's this one too right but again in an incomplete imperfect way does that make sense yeah he is restoring them now, but then like by the time of Jesus, not that long out thereafter, 500 years, is Jerusalem, it's kind of a silly place and we don't want to go there because <laughs> they just kill the prophets and those who come to them with the word. Um, city of faithfulness or truth, right, which is good, and uh, the mountain of the Lord of hosts. So he dwells there. That's beautiful. God will be with his people, right? He will dwell with them. In Jesus, what's Jesus' name? That means God with us. Emmanuel, Emmanuel right? And Zion has a, has a, is a mountain, um, a holy mountain, but there is a temple on that mountain. Of course, we know 
the temple is the not made with hands, right? That is the body of Christ, which we're grafted onto. All right. I think these two translations actually correct. Yeah, that's why I, I don't mind us having different translations because there always is, especially with Hebrew, because it's, it's actually a pretty simple language, but it does then give you some ambiguity. The same word can mean a, quite a few different things because the vocabulary is smaller. All right, so that's helpful. All right, now we're on to the third promise, which is two verses. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, which they couldn't because they were in exile. And it was a, not, a, not a nice place to be. Oh, we would say it's more like sitting on old men and old women sitting on the street in New York or Chicago. You just might get shot. Or Los Angeles. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, although it's, I think, like we said, that's immediately the, it's going to be a safer city to dwell in, a safe a city to dwell in again, Jerusalem, earthly Jerusalem. But it is pointing forward to the church in the heavenly Jerusalem. And I, I'm looking at our, you got your... You got your canes today, right? Old men and old women. We had a, quite a crowd in the back this morning, which was lovely. I know you'd like to come up to the front, but I'm happy to come back to you. Of course, I'd rather have you here. Each with his staff in his hand because of great age. So that's also a promise, right? That you would live long on the earth? Yeah. And then this one's interesting. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets, in its streets. Um, that wasn't really possible in Jerusalem at this point or in the past, or in the immediate future. There, there was not room for, there were no parks. There was no, real estate was um, at a premium. So they had houses built on top of houses. You've seen these kind of construction, right? It's kind of like China today. <laughs> it's like, there's no space, so they just build on top of it. And have you seen any of those tours, like on YouTube, where they go through these, these construction, where it's, you know, it's like 20 stories, but it's just, yeah. You want to watch these videos, Matt. And then the way they string the electric and the plumbing between these buildings, and it's like, it is crazy. I mean, they somehow make it work, but. Sounds like a parkour dream. It's, a, it's actually kind of like in the movie uh, Ready Player One, if you've seen the movie. That would be a way to visualize that. Okay. That's, it's not a great movie, but there you go. These guys have seen it. Um, so, this is, so this is a different kind of Jerusalem, where it's wide open. And the people can safely, you know, just old people can safely be in the streets um, and actually have leisure, which is not something that they would have been allowed. This idea of retirement, I've often rebelled against it. I'm not your age, so I'm sure those of you who are retired are like, he's stupid and he'll come around eventually. But, but, uh, but retirement's a luxury, right? Uh, in times past, you, didn't, you weren't able to retire, especially agrarian, like on a farm. Like the old, I, I had a, I remember visiting a lady on Vicarage. She was 92. She was still milking the cows. And she was managing the farm. She had like one or two farm hands, but she was a widow. Yeah, she was a, no, a spinster. She never married. So somebody had to do it, right? She had been, it was her parents' farm. She had been farming it. She never married. She hired farm hands. She was still doing it until the day she died, right? Um, that's, that's the typical life of these people that's being spoken to. But to have the life of luxury that you could move into the city and just sit on the street and just hang out and have a good time. Yeah, you could see that's a luxury, you know, go to a show, go out to a restaurant, you know, the kind of life we live actually. Um, so there's a way that our life is, is actually mimicry of the heavenly life. 
that's a whole nother story for another time. Um, then the children, like no parks again. No, there's no green spaces. There's no, you don't have children just playing. Um, place, no playgrounds, right? So this is, and this won't be accomplished in their lifetime. There's not enough space for it, but it does point forward to the heavenly Jerusalem where it's wide open. And it's a city that is more than large enough for everyone to dwell in uh, with peace and safety um, and old people and young people and, and all of that. All right, so that's, a, that's a actually a pretty beautiful promise too, isn't it? Do you have any other thoughts on that one? I don't think so. Oh, it does remind, remember me, uh, remind me of the psalm, the intro at psalm today. I don't know if you, if you paused. Anybody have that in front of them? Do you have your bulletin? Yeah. I don't know if, if this gave you, Psalm 27 gave you a moment of pause. It did for me today because I was thinking about this. Um, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foe, it is they who stumble and fall. It's not a metaphor. That's right. We s- no. No. It sounds like it could be. No, when adversaries assail me to eat up my flesh. Yes, it's fulfilled in Jesus, of course. But what is it? That's cannibalism. Right? Isn't that what we call it? I think it's weird. Ooh, we're singing about cannibals. Ah, yeah. And and what's interesting is that um in some of the earlier prophets, especially Jeremiah, um, this is something that um, uh, prophetically uh, happened, right? We, we still know about like warrior tribes and things that would do this, right? As sometimes just to guilt and shame the people, but other times because they're just, they're so inhuman. So yeah, so that's the, none of the judgment on Jerusalem. Well, this happened in Jerusalem actually when it was surrounded and held captive, not only under the Romans later, but even earlier in its previous captivity is that they would try to starve them out. Well, what are you left with when you ate all the horses and dogs? All right. Yeah, that's real pleasant. All right, so let's not talk about that anymore. Next promise, which would be, who's counting? Verse 6, the fourth promise. This is the fourth. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it was marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days. Will it also be marvelous in my eyes, um, said the Lord. All right, so there's not a lot to be said there, is there? If it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant, will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts. Right. Uh, to be wonderful, to be marvelous. Right. What, again, who's doing is this? Who's restoring the people? Who's restoring Jerusalem? Who's setting up Zion? It's the Lord, right? It will be marvelous to our eyes. Will it also, and how much more marvelous is it to the one who did it, right? who accomplished it for us? Uh, again, I think we can see a fulfillment in Jesus, right? Isn't there, a, isn't there a word of promise? Is it a psalm maybe? Well, I think it is that, uh, again, that John, John 1 bit, right? We beheld his glory, glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, right? That he has given us to see things um, that are wonderful in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So there's probably more there. All right, another promise. Do you have some? No. Fifth, right? Are we on five? Who's counting? All right, I am. (laughs) Thank you. Behold, I will, I, who's I? The Lord of hosts, will save my people from the land of the east, which would be Babylon, and from the land of the west, which would be Egypt, 
So we have both exiles mentioned here, both the four, you know, 400 plus or minus exile, Europe exile in, in Egypt and the 70 plus or minus in Babylon. Yeah, but Rome isn't, they have never been held captive by Rome at this point. Maybe in the future. No, no. Um, I don't know. When did Remus and Romulus found Rome? Yeah, you know Remus and Romulus. I only know their names from Star, Star Trek, but okay. Just saying. And I will bring them back. No, who will? The Lord of hosts will bring them back. And they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And here it is. They shall be my people and I will be my, their God in truth and righteousness. That one's a little bit more rich, I think. Don't you think? All right, so east and west. Um, but earlier, when was that? What chapter was that? Uh, and it's going to come up again later in chapter 10. He mentions all four cardinal directions. So east, west, north, and south. All, all four directions, right, that he brings people in. Um, but here I think, he's, I think he is pointing to from east to west and shore to shore, right? Didn't we just sing that on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the coming of Christ, coming and leading his people out of exile, out of slavery, and into truth and righteousness, which is interesting. So I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's fulfilled in Jesus. And righteousness, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness in our baptism, right? His right doing. Who fulfills the law for us? Jesus does. So he is the righteous one. And he gives us that as a gift in the forgiveness of sins, right? Um, this is, of course, a complete reversal of what happened in the garden at the beginning. So Jerusalem in the garden. By the way, that that's often, they think of, Jerusalem is also the place of the garden. I know. And then, but then the cross is the place of Adam's death. It's the burial place of Adam. And it's also the place of Christ's death where he overcomes Adam's death. This is why you often see in pictures of Christ crucified at the foot of the cross is a skull. It's not just any skull. The place of the skull is not just any skull. It's Adam's skull. Even if that's not true. It's pretty, yeah, it's, it, it's good poetry even if it's not true. Yeah, yeah, that was his burial place. For real? That's, that's the legend. It doesn't have to be true. It's certainly, it's true theologically. Did Christ overcome Adam's death at the cross? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you like that? All right. So, but what we see here is, I mean, truth. What was the problem with Adam and Eve? Not truth, but they believed the lie, the tempting serpent's voice, right? Followed after lies. And what did they bring? unrighteousness, rebellion against God, and with that death. Then with this, this promise, you have the restoration of truth, God's word, right? And righteousness, Christ's suffering and death for the sins of the world, so that then life comes into the, into the world. So you have that great reversal, as Luther calls it, or the great salvation swap, as uh, Brent Coleman calls it. I'm trying to think, the great exchange is what Luther calls it, actually. Great exchange. All right, so that's promise number... Five, right. um, and you, we, this has been prophesied by others. I mean, Jeremiah says, we hear this in Advent, Jeremiah 33, the Lord, our righteousness, that shall be his name, right? So we've already been looking forward to this, um, but it is ours now. All right, sixth promise starts in verse nine. This one's longer. 
Yet, thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. You who have been hearing in these days the words by the mouth of the prophets who spoke in the day the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord of hosts that the temple might be built. And again, that was February, did I say 15th? That's somebody's birthday. Or is it? Or 14th? What day is Valentine's Day? 14th. That's Dorothy's birthday, by the way. Born on Valentine's Day. What a nice gift. That's the only time we've ever celebrated Valentine's Day. Not Anne's fault. That's my fault. It was a Sunday. Um, So that was, yeah, February, whatever date it was, I told you. (laughs) In 520, right? For before these days, there were no wages for man, nor any hire for beast, nor was... or there was no peace from the enemy for whatever whoever went out and came in, for I set all men, everyone, against his neighbor. All right, so we have this great, you know, chaos, and it's actually the Lord's doing that he sets neighbor against neighbor. Because, why? Right. Yeah. If you... If you get what you want, your neighbor gets what you want, and it's actually the same thing, and they're, both of them are contrary to God's word, it just amplifies it and it gets worded. This is the Tower of Babel story, right? Nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them if they continue with one language and one heart, really, um, doing, working towards their rebellion against God, which is to go up into the heavens and create their own heavens. For repentance, right? Correct. Correct. Well, that's as far out as we can go before you hit the radiation layer and it kills you. Yeah, there's the radiation belt. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why you can't, that's why I have, we, nobody can go past, they can only be in what is really, really high orbit, ultimately. Yeah. No, because you'll go through that radiation belt. It'll kill you. Yeah. Yep. You can send robots to the moon. Oh, that's another story. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there, like, obviously a duality to this chapter? Mm. Yes. Not the whole block, right? It seems like it's an eschatological application. End times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I said it is fulfilled in, it is fulfilled in Christ. Right. Incarnate, born, about, the last day as well. Yeah, yeah. So, again, there's all these... Well, we can look at it as, as like, for, applying to us. Correct. That's why I said that's beautiful when the prophets speak that way. Right. It's like, it's not... It ultimately, it was fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus, but even that is not finally... doesn't reach its culmination until we're all brought into that perfect life of the Son on the last day. Right. And all will confess his name, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No, that's right. If I didn't, wasn't clear on that, that's... It clicked. It clicked. Yeah. All right, here's the timetable. I found it. The temple, rebuilding temple commenced on 532 BC. Work slowed and finally stopped in 531 BC. The temple was refounded on December 18th, 520 which is my birthday, uh, long before I was born. And the restruction began anew. The prophet Haggai refers to this directly and indirectly in chapter 2. 
Zechariah addresses well, and then they dedicated the new temple finally on March 12th, 515. So another three years later. All right. So, and again, um, now everybody was set against neighbor, but, and this is what we call a gospel but, or at least one of my friends did, and it's kind of stuck, right? Because what does but do? No, well, it can be, but yeah, it negates what came before grammatically, right? So we had everybody set against his neighbor, but good news, I will not treat the remnant of this people as in former days, setting them against each other, right? For the seed, (laughs) the seed of peace, literally, shall be prosperous, the offspring, right? But this is a, this is more um, agrarian, right? The vine shall give its fruit, hmm. I am the vine, you are the branches. That sounds familiar. Bear much fruit. You heard about that in church today. The ground shall give her increase, which is a beautiful picture, again, of how the Lord provides. Um, he causes the ground, he, crown, he causes food to come up from the ground, which. Any of you have, like, you know, tried to compost or just throw out stuff in the backyard, you end up with all sorts of, what do they call those things where they just brought up where you didn't? What do you, volunteer, that's it, yeah, right, which is I think how you should probably just garden, just throw all the garbage out in the backyard and see what happens. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. Garlic mustard weed? That's what comes up in your yard? Don't you feel it's kind of like a a vain and fruitless thing to try to try to keep quote-unquote weeds out of your yard? I don't know. I'm just justifying my own yard, I guess. I can't keep the kids from tearing it up, so whatever. All right, it shall come to pass. Where were we? Oh, yeah, the ground gives its increase. The heavens shall give its due. Right? This is all Genesis 1 language, right? So we have that restoration of the terrarium you know, picture that Genesis is, you know, that fruit, fertile and fruit, fruitful land where, where it doesn't even rain because it's just like rainforest moist all the time and you know, your skin is not dry because... Yeah, the yeah. heaven gives, gives due, but it doesn't rain. Great. Yeah. Rainforest. Right. Rainforest kind of thing. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these. I will cause. Notice, he does it. And it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, formerly, right? O house of Judah and house of Israel, which is interesting because we haven't had Israel mentioned. I don't think yet. This is the first time Israel has been mentioned. It's only been Judah, Judah, Judah. Israel has been long gone. They were conquered, what, 80 years before Judah, I think? Remember, that's the northern kingdom, Israel. Um, So I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Do not fear, let your hands be strong. Isn't that beautiful? So again, more of that reversal language, right? And this is Christ. He establishes his temple. He causes... Within that temple, which is the church, if you want to quote First Peter um, and elsewhere, then within that temple, what does he cause to have happen? You're nurtured, you're fed with the dew and with the food, right? Um, and hopefully it's a pleasant place to be <laughs> uh, as long as forgiveness reigns, right? As we heard in church today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, glad tidings of great joy, which shall be for you and for all people, right? 
Yeah. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. Um, let your hands be strong, meaning don't resist. <laughs> That's a, called a jussive in Hebrew and Greek. It's called a hortatory is the language construction there. But um, you shall be a blessing. I will save you, right? It's all the Lord's doing again. If it were, if it were up to you to make any of these things happen, what would happen? <laughs> Not them, <laughs> right? It would be some, again, some kind of fake version of heaven. Uh, Disney World, right? You will soon find out. Are you going this week? Yeah, that's where you're going today? You're leaving today? Okay. Yeah, he's going to Disney World, right? The guy works all the time. Let him go to Disney World. Everybody else, that's right. When's Tommy? Tommy going on vacation? Well, he was out in... Uh, yeah, exactly. Tommy's gone all the time. Mm-hmm. He's kind of... No, he's, he's from he's from Random Lake. Are you kidding? No, is yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go to you go to Tibet, you don't come back the same. Yeah. Not a deadhead. Yeah. Top into Tibet. I don't know. A long time ago. When we first moved here, he was—he went to Spain for two weeks. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Oh. All right. Anyway, we don't need to talk about Tommy. Anyway, Disney World. Disney World. I don't even know where that came from. Disney World, right? It's—it's all—it's all fake trying to be heaven on earth. That's what it is. You'll see. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't push it too far. It might actually be, uh, might actually be hell on earth. Sorry. It's like Legoland. It's like Legoland. All right. Uh, what else? What are we talking about? We have we got more to get through. I'm sorry. I'm distracting you. Do we need to talk more about this one? Uh, no, that's probably good. What's the next one? Seven? Are we on seven? Yeah. For thus says the Lord of hosts, just as I determined to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and I, says the Lord of hosts, and I would not relent. So again, in these days, see the switch? I am determined to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. All right. So his wrath is but for a moment, but his mercy is for a lifetime. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right. These are the things that you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. We heard about this in the sermon today. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let, n- let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Right? Don't love a false oath for all these things that I hate. So notice his, it, his, his wrath is set aside for the sake of peace, but his law is not. This is sometimes how people, especially in the super progressive churches, this is how they teach it. Well, because God doesn't exercise his wrath on us anymore, then that means his law no longer applies to us anymore. Right, so they say, you know, all the Ten Commandments and all the all the other civil laws and all the prohibitions against things that we that we like to do, like homosexuality. Well, that that's all been set aside now because God is the God. Jesus has revealed that God is actually a God of love, right? That makes it sound like the law is only used when you do something wrong, not as a general. Law. Actually, they don't even think the law applies anymore. 
at all. Some of the more pro super progressive people. There is no law, right? You're free to do whatever is right in your own eyes. They'll even promote, this is, uh, hopefully none of your, you said it was your granddaughter that was at the National Youth Gathering? Yeah, the Yeah, right. Yeah. Hopefully, they don't go to the ones where they promote social justice, because there's a few seminars for that. Missouri Synod's not immune to this sort of thing, right? Especially... Oh, good. He'll, he'll, he'll keep her on the straight. Um, the, uh, no, what I'm saying is that we're not immune to this kind of thinking. It's to say, uh, you know, that the right, right way to govern ourselves, our nation, our people, our congregation even, um, is, is just through power games. Right, which is what, what you're seeing politically happen. Whoever's in power is the one who gets to set the rules. The rules aren't transcendent. The Constitution's not transcendent. The law isn't transcendent. The law only applies when it applies to your neighbor and it doesn't apply to you. You heard that in the sermon today. Once you see it, it's like, oh, it's obvious, right? We can complain about somebody fraudulently being elected in 2016, but then when it comes around to our turn, 2020, then no, there was no fraud at all in the election. The same people. Why? Because it doesn't matter what's true. It's just no, it's not just feel good. No, it's the truth is the truth only is can be used as a bludgeon tool to get what you want. And when it doesn't give you what you want, then it's you set it aside. It's yeah. No, oh, thanks, Gabe. Right. Right, right, right. So this is the point. It's like you, you voted and you, you've used the filibuster, just as another example, for, for decades. You've said we have to keep the filibuster when you weren't in power. Now you're in power and now you're like, we have to get rid of the filibuster because it no longer works. You're like, what? Like you advocated for it. Now you're saying it. Yeah, it's not, these are not principled people. I'm not talking about one political party either. <laughs> it's like pretty much, they're not principled people. It's like whatever gets you, and gets you what you want, which is power, influence, ultimately money, you know then you say what you got to say until you get elected. Like, uh, who's the one? Dr. Oz. Like, everybody, could, I, you couldn't see through that that was a fraud. He stopped campaigning. He's even done. He, got the prim he won the primary. Now he's going to check out and let the other guy win. <laughs> I was like, oh, way to go. Way to go, Pennsylvania. All right. Anyway, um, the, the Lord hates these things, right? The truth is the truth. The law remains the law, right? What he sets aside is that we don't receive the full and complete punishment for our sins because that's been placed upon Jesus, right? So his wrath has been satiated by Jesus' suffering and death for us, right? And now, uh, what's the opposite? He's determined to do good to Jerusalem, the house of Judah. Do not fear. All right. Boy, there's a lot more we could say on that, but that's okay. Uh, eight, we're on eight, right? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, thus says the Lord of hosts. We talked about fasting before. I don't remember which chapter that was in. There was a fast was, uh, chapter. Maybe we talked about it last time. Yeah, we talked about it last time in chapter 7. Um, notice what happens to here. The fasts are ended. All of them. The ones, the ones that God gave, the ones that they had created. The fourth, the fifth, the seventh, and the tenth month ones. Some of them they had established. Some God had established. Gone. Now replaced with joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. Right? So again, that reversal theme. You see it there. Uh, where there was once fasting, then there's joy. This is like in uh, Ecclesiastes, right? And I'm just thinking of the, the song from the birds, right? Written by Bob Dylan, of course, but I'm just quoting the scriptures, right? For every season, there's time. A time for weeping and a time for 
Yeah. So, so here, yes, there is a time for fasting, but then it is replaced with a time of joy. And we re-replicate this every year liturgically through the season of Lent, whether you fast or not. We do fast in a sense, even liturgically, right? We don't sing the Gloria and the Alleluias and um, no Gloria Patris and usually somber tones. And by Holy Week, we're speaking a lot and we're not singing that much at all, right? Maybe it's Good Friday. And then, uh, and then Easter comes and it's like, there's lots of Alleluias and there's, Lots, there's even more singing and more psalmody. And, right? you know, when you think of fasting as only involving not eating food, mm-hmm. and you know, people suggest that, like, what are you seeing those through? You are fasting from them. You are abstaining from them. Right, right. And we talked about this when we talked about fasting last time, I think, that a fast just for the sake of fasting is kind of pointless. But if it's for, like, maybe for your own physical well-being, then it's useful, right? Luther commends it as a spiritual discipline. So, that you come to the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood hungry shows you that you need it not just for your spirit, but for your body too, right? And we forget this, that the sacrament was given to us for our, our bodies at, as well as our souls. You hear those words, but you don't really, I don't think we think about it. It's like, oh, when, when my body is ill, what do I need? I need healing medicine. What medicine has the Lord appointed for that? His body and blood and the sacrament. That's why you call the pastor when you're sick to come bring the sacrament to you. Right. So, you don't need me to visit you. You need me to bring you the sacrament to you. So Our conversation is going to be kind of boring anyway. Right. And then, he, but he clothes you. He puts shoes on your feet and a ring on your finger, restores you as his son, and it becomes a feast to you. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Uh, nine? <laughs> nine and ten kind of go together, so we can do those together. And we'll end on this. The peoples shall come, inhabitants of many cities... The inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us continue and go pray before the Lord. So we have all the other cities being emptied out and the one city, Jerusalem, is being um, the city to be a part of. Yeah, and it is a Pentecost thing. It's Acts chapter 2. We have Medes and Parthians and Romans and those from Cyprus and from... Did it say Africa? Mesopotamia, Asia, which is Asia Minor, Turkey, Hungary. Yeah, so this is Pentecost. They'll come and pray before the Lord, and I myself will go also, right? So again, that theme of all the people come to Jerusalem, but it's not an empty city just filled up with people, but the Lord dwells there. Again, that's, this is all that temple language. He dwells within the temple um, for the people. They, and they, they actually are brought or they're drawn by the Spirit so that they receive him, right? Um, what? You want to say something? Yeah, they come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord, right? And then the 10th one is here. Thus says the Lord of hosts. In those days, 10 men from every language, see 10, 10, got it? 10 gospel promises, now 10 um, men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you, right? Which is really why it's kind of ironic that the apostles didn't really understand this. And they were even reluctantly kind of believed it um, until long after Pentecost, actually. Because all, remember all those who gathered at Pentecost, Jews or Jewish converts. Yes, they were from all over the place, but they were proselytes, which is a, a convert, all right? Um, whereas then Paul is commissioned 
well, Saul, I should say, is commissioned by Jesus to go um, to Antioch, right? And then, and then from there he goes and does all of his missionary journeys. It's Paul. Yes, the seed has been planted by the Jews that had taken the word from Pentecost to all the synagogues throughout the whole, the whole known world at that point. But then Paul comes along and he brings the Gentiles in, right? So it's Paul who actually takes them by the hand and has them grasp on, if you like, to use this language, the sleeve of the Jew, and then integrates them into the community. But only really, um, the first missionary journey is until after the council at Jerusalem in Acts 15, where Peter has to tell the rest of the apostles, hey guys, this is what Jesus said was going to happen. Let's give it up and let Paul do, the, do this work. It's still funny that they, they aren't the ones who go out preaching to the Gentiles. They stay in Jerusalem and they have this one untimely born, as Paul calls himself, go out and do it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how like, anti-cultural it was to have the gospel go to all the nations. And yet we keep hearing it. We hear it all the time. Of course, we take comfort in it. Because I don't think any of us are ethnically Jewish, are we? No, right? So, so we hear it. And it's like, of course it's for the Gentiles because we're here. <laughs> um, but at that point, it was still kind of a rare thing. But here's a good example where the prophet, 500 plus years before Jesus was even uh, conceived and born, is saying, this is what's going to happen. Eschatologically, right? Finally, with Jesus uh, and, the, and the church. Uh, and then finally on the last day, where every language, every tongue, every nation, all people bowing down before him. All right. So, uh, yeah, so you're right. It, Zechariah is recording for us the word of the, of the Lord, and he's talking about very, you know, very timely, in a timely way, let's build the temple, let's restore Jerusalem as God has promised, and he will bring the nations, he will bring people from the cities back to us. Right? Um, ultimately, it's incomplete because there's not that many Gentiles there. And and uh, it's fulfilled, I guess, in, an, in the next step with Christ's incarnation and his deliverance and creation of the church, institution of the church, right? As he's on the Mount of Ascension and he says, go and make disciples, right? Uh, by baptizing and teaching them, giving them all the things that I've commanded you. And then, um, but it's still incomplete. The church is not complete until the last day when Christ comes again and calls to all, the, all those who are living and those who have died, um, and calls them by name and brings them into the heavenly Jerusalem, the eternal Zion, the church that never ends, the, the marriage feast of the Lamb without end, all, the, all that language, right? So you're right. It has that picture too. And does the prophet know it? I don't know. Does it matter? Because you know, we can see that now because we've, we've got the language of um, the New Testament, which interprets the Old for us. All right. Any other things there? Oh, okay, Ethan. You're supposed to say no. Yeah. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Oh, yeah, look at that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, Elohim. Yeah, the, the, the word that comes out of the mouth of um, those coming from other nations, the hoi polloi, they call him Elohim, whereas Zechariah has been saying uh, Yahweh throughout. Yeah. That's interesting. 
so the next section, we're actually going to get a very explicit promise of the, of the completion of the Davidic kingdom, the promise of the Messiah that would, was promised to David, David's own son. So it's not wrong to read this as driving us towards Christ and his coming, because that's exactly where the prophet is going to go. All right. We tried to do a lot today. Thanks for your patience through all that. Can we close with prayer? All right. Heavenly Father, you have revealed to us um, by way of your gospel the fulfillment of the great promises that you've made by way of the prophets, namely your son Jesus, um, who came for us to save us from sin, death, and devil, and to restore us to you and to restore the kingdom of your son uh, today and always. We ask that you would keep us in faith, um, that we would receive this promised inheritance and rejoice in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.